Hello and welcome to the Race Dilemma podcast. My name is Drew Hawley and I'm here with my brother and co-host Daniel Sloan. This podcast is really about giving a voice to those people of a mixed heritage, initially within our own family whose racial background is not always obvious due to their pale skin colour and have found themselves to be at the centre of a personal race dilemma and at times having to prove their ethnic credentials in order to be heard. And of course we have broadened the conversation out into the many corners of some of the so-called problems of being from a racially mixed background. And if you feel you may want to contribute or have a story to tell and would like to be featured on an episode, please reach out to us on the Race Dilemma Podcast at gmail.com. And if you really like these episodes, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and feel free to share with your family and friends. Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Race Dilemma podcast. Today we have a lady called Caroline Dyer. She was introduced to our podcast by a mutual friend. She listened to our podcast, became interested, reached out to us because she thought she may have a story to tell. She describes herself as married, a mother, a grandmother and a retired financial manager. Welcome, Caroline. Oh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. More than welcome. Caroline, when we was having our preliminary chat, you described your ethnicity as one of mixed heritage, of uh, yeah. a, a white mum and a Caribbean father. Is yeah. that right? Caribbean, yeah, you think? Right. Caribbean. Uh, yeah. But the story for you has a little bit of an edge to it because you were given up uh, for adoption at quite a young age, I think a couple of months old or something. Yeah, um, at nine months old. Nine months old. Yeah. But your, your birth mother knew your adoptive mother. Did I get that right? Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. Can you start us off from that point? Can you just sort of expand a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, I um, My mother was Welsh and she came to London to work and fell pregnant. And um, back in those days, she went um, into a mother and baby home. And the um, family that adopted me used to take the mothers from the mother and baby home and sort of take them into their home um, until they got on their feet and whether, you know, they'd either decide to keep their babies or get them adopted or fostered. Um, And that's how my adoptive parents um, found me. You know, that's how I came to be adopted by them. Were they doing work in that sort of field? Were they... Uh, I don't really know. I think they just made some sort of connection with the... um, with the home and I think because they had quite a large home and there was just the two of them they didn't have any children of their own um I think it was just something that they wanted to do but I never really sort of asked them why they did it or how they come to do it um I guess it was just fate otherwise they wouldn't have got me (laughs) that's right that's right so so you were nine months old when you were under. You went under their roof, and it took yes. a couple of years for them to legally adopt you. Yeah, well, I actually went under their roof very early on. I think only about six weeks old, but it took that period of time for my yeah. biological mother to decide what she wanted to do with me. And where did biological mother go? Did she just leave the scene? She ended up um, moving to America with her sister, who had emigrated to America. And what about biological father? Did, was he not on the scene at all then? No, um, 
we didn't know anything about him. However, my adoptive parents said that he did track me down and visit one day, but uh-huh. my parents weren't in and he didn't sort of come back. So that didn't really go any further. We'll come back to, to him yeah. a bit later on, if that's yeah. all right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to jump in with a question, if I may. Yeah. Um, like, do you... Do you remember like the first sort of conversations that you had with your your parents, your adopted parents about yeah. your racial background? Can you tell us about that? Um, they sort of, obviously they knew about my Welsh mother and they didn't know very much about, because she obviously didn't tell them very much about um, my father, but they did sort of tell me from a very young age, I mean a toddler, as soon as I can remember that, they explained that they went to the hospital and saw lots of babies in um, mm. their bassinets and they yeah. went along and said, not that one, not that one. <laughs> and then they said, we saw you and we said, that's the one we want. And um, and that's sort of what they told me at a very young age. And then obviously as I grew up, because they were white and I was black, um, it, it sort of, you know, I... I don't think they ever sort of sat me down, but I always knew that I was adopted. Uh, So I knew that they weren't my biological parents, but they were the best parents that somebody could have had because they had unconditional love, you know. That's nice. You absolutely loved them as well, didn't you? You Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they, when they explain to you about going to the hospital, I mean, as, a, as children, I think we just accept things. We just get on with it, don't we? When they say, when yeah. parents say to their children, well, in your case, they took you to the hospital. They said they went to the hospital and they saw somebody, not that one. Oh, that's the one we want. That's the little girl yes. we're looking for. And yeah. you were comfortable yeah. with that. That was fine with you, was it? That, that's yeah, I just right sort of you. accepted that. I yeah. didn't really sort of question it, really. Because you felt I loved. Think- yeah, by the time I went to school, um, my parents were very, you know, they'd come up to school and I don't remember at junior school or infant school anybody really saying much to me to make me feel that I was sort of different to anybody else by having parents that were a different colour to, to me. So you did. there wasn't a time, uh, say in, let's say in primary school, when did you become... Did you become aware of your own mixed heritage? Did you think about it in that way or just you knew you were adopted, you knew you were dark-skinned? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think at infant school and I don't really remember at junior school. I think I remember when, um, I mean, although I was brought up in East Dulwich and um, I had various friends, but I think when I went to things like youth clubs and brownies um there wasn't that many black children around so you 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 did feel that you was sort of a minority but I don't remember feeling that um anybody said anything racially derogatory to me mm. it didn't age. feel like an issue sort of thing no yeah. no not at all That's and nice. I had because I was an only child um my parents were very much welcoming there was always a house full of friends and there was lots going on in the house it was a very lively um sort of bubbly house it wasn't a quiet house 
You, you mentioned yeah. yesterday, Caroline, in in our preliminary chat. You you mentioned about the um, about them getting some stick from the neighbours. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when they adopted me, um, their neighbours that have previously spoke to them and were friendly with them sort of just became unfriendly and didn't talk to them and their reasons um some of them their reasons were you know you could have adopted a white child why did you adopt a black child so that was obviously a racial issue for the neighbors and um they sort of said it wasn't important to them they did what they wanted to do and they was happy with their situation if 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 it, if it meant that the neighbors wasn't going to talk to them then they weren't friends in the first place so it's pretty liberal of your parents in those days you know, Caroline wasn't it it's pretty out there wasn't it really yeah and, and they were like that but when when you when you looked at you and sorry it's just delving a little bit deeper just yeah. just out of curiosity yeah um, as a child did you think oh, I mean speaking personally I don't even think I noticed the color of my own skin I didn't notice it I didn't notice it on family members either they were just my uncle, my aunt, or grandma, or whoever, yeah. and I certainly yeah. didn't notice it on myself. But because yeah. you, yeah, let's say that you were made to feel aware of it because you were a little bit different to your mum, or you were different to your mum and dad. Um, yeah. d- did you ask? Did you ever ask? Um, where does my dad come from? Where, where, whereabouts in the world is he from? Not, you know? not as a young child. I don't remember ever having that conversation. As I grew up. I mean, my dad, my adopted dad died when I was five. So my mum sort of brought me up on her own from the age of five. Um, And she would often, as I got to maybe eight, nine, ten, say, you know, do you want me to find, you know, do you want me to find your uh, your biological mother? And should we try and find your father? And I used to sort of say, no, I'm happy. I'm, I'm not interested in finding them. Um, and she was sort of more sort of um, sort of conscious of trying to find my mixed heritage and my biological parent than I was. Mm. And I was no. never, never interested in finding them. Why do you think mum wanted to find them? Or... Um, she was quite... A drama queen, my mum. I think she would have quite liked the drama of it all, (laughs) maybe. And I think she also, I mean, she's not around anymore, but I think she probably felt, because she was a very caring and nurturing person, I think she probably felt that certainly to have found my mother, my biological mother, that it may have given her some sort of comfort. Oh, really? I think I, I think she sort of felt that, you know, to give a child away, because um, she used to say to me, actually, on every birthday and Christmas, my biological mother's name, she used to say she must be thinking of you on these yeah, days, yeah, early birthdays and Christmas. Yeah. And so I think she, she sort of, and because she met her and she got to know her, it, I think it, it was a really unusual sort of situation. Oh, she met her and got to know her, did she? Yeah, well, when she took me in as a baby, oh, I see. obviously, you know, right. she, uh, my biological mother went to work and my adoptive parents, before they adopted me, used to look after me while she went to work. Did they keep in touch with her then? No, once she went to America, um, they didn't keep in touch with her directly, but unbeknown to my biological mother, 
um, her my my uh, maternal grandmother actually met me, and she came and sort of found me oh. um, because she wanted to see her grandchild. How old did you have been then? I was a baby. Right. I was a baby, quite young, under a year. And my biological mother never, ever knew that that had happened until I met her many years later. That's interesting, isn't it? That's mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah. In, um, in one of our um, conversations that we had, you mentioned um, maybe some issues of racism growing up, uh, but then the race dilemma, so to speak, extends to other members of your family, including your own husband. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. Well, I think for me, the race dilemma, you know, as I've just explained for my parents, for the fact that mm. so-called friends have turned their back on them because of me and my colour. And my husband also experienced that because he's white, he's um, English, and um, he's worked in very male orientated um, workplaces mm. and um, he would experience people saying very racist things mm. in front of him mm. but because he's white mm. they assumed that it didn't affect him at all um, and then sometimes he would say I've got a black wife and mixed race children and sometimes I think behind his back people would say you know you didn't you don't realize but Gary's wife's black that's you know, not not really acceptable. Just because there was a group of white men sitting around a table, yeah. it doesn't mean that they they haven't got family that are of colour. I'm sure they must have torn him up inside, Caroline. That must have been it awful. does, it and he have... still talks about oh, yeah, it now. That's so hurtful, so, yeah, so hurtful. Be, yeah, because he's actually said to me, you know, he he remembers certain conversations, and he says, you know, I wish. I'd have said something then. And I said, well, everything with hindsight, there's lots of situations I've been in up until only a few years ago. Shocking things that um, I've been so sort of taken aback exactly. that by the time I've wanted to say something, the moment's sort of gone. Yeah, by the time you process it, it's, it's finished. Yeah. It's, it has gone. Yeah. And, and, and it takes... It's difficult to think on your feet sometimes because I, I think yeah. we've probably all been in that situation. Someone yeah. says something, and you're so you're so taken aback by it, you're yeah. just lost for words. Yeah. And as you say, the yeah. moment's gone, isn't it? You can't retrieve it. It's yeah. just gone into yeah. the ether, and you're yeah. left with it. You're but left it still with hurts you. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, also, I think yeah. about you know, shame on me. I think about stuff that happened 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I think, oh, I did not say something, you know. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. I didn't have the word. I didn't have the vocabulary then. I didn't have the now. So I was inexperienced. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You don't. But yeah. you know, and people just. I mean, we've spoken about this before as well. Um, thinking about your husband, Gary. Um, you know, you work with people who who you assume have a little bit of respect for you. Who assume that you're they're your friend or you're their friend, and mm -hmm. someone says something, and, it, and it's that's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. That, that's yeah. He had a lot of that. Yeah, that's the that that's the worst yeah. kind. Mm. It just comes rears its head. Mm. Um, unbeknownst to you, people are thinking in a certain way, and that, that's yeah. uh, that's very real, actually. Isn't yeah. it? That's very real. Yeah. You know, how, if people just say things without thinking, you know how deep that stuff goes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awful. And yeah. Uh, you, you've got um, you've got grown up children. Correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
like have they experienced any kind of dilemmas themselves? You know, it's funny because I was talking to Gary about this the other day and mm. my daughter said something to me, my youngest daughter the other day, that I was quite shocked about. I don't probably want to say what that is because I haven't got her approval. But um, it then made me think, oh, you know, I've never really sat down with them and asked them how they um, feel about their colour or if they've experienced. I know actually that um, there has been few issues, but I don't remember when they were at school um, having them come home and say anything that I felt I had to go to the school and deal with. Um, I had been to the school to deal with things, but it was never around race. It was about other yeah. things. Yeah. Was that, the, was that um, secondary school? Was secondary it? school, right. yeah. But yeah. not race. Yeah, but not race. And I, I think after this, I probably will sit down. I think they'll listen to this and I probably will talk to them and they may even want to come on here and give you their story and I might be shocked about what they say. They like, would be more than welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You, but you didn't experience any racism as such up until the, about the age of 11. When you went to primary, uh, sorry, when you went to secondary school, it became more... Yeah, secondary school, I think, you know, it was very early on as first week uh, where kids try to decide where they sit in the sort of hierarchy of the year and um, you know I had there was there was white kids there was black kids there wasn't so many mixed race kids and um, I was very small for my age I mean I'm small now I was really small then and um, I did start to get kicked on by one, um, I think she was a mixed race girl actually and I just tried to sort of dodge things, I, I, that would be my sort of go-to, to do- I didn't want to be bullied, um, I didn't really care if I, what group of people I had to be with because I'd always, always sort of grown up with very, very varied mixes of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. racial people around me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know really, I can't even say now, I, I was friends with lots of people. And it's funny because the school was very, very large, 1,800 children. And my mum would come up to pick me up from school and she would find me and I'd say, oh, how did you find me? And she'd say, oh, I just asked them. And she'd say my maiden name and ask where Caroline and my maiden name uh, was. And they'd say, oh, yeah, she's over there. And I said, but these people don't know me, Mum. And she <laughs> said, oh, well, they knew, they spot, you know, told me where, where to find you. So, I mean, whether I was, I don't know, known for what, being mixed race or the mixed race girl with the, older white mum that's a bit feisty you know I don't know I never know really but because I I mean I went I went to school not I mean I went to school in Stockwell and and it was only a couple of miles down the road and yet there were loads of mixed race kids in my school loads really yeah loads I remember yeah girls and boys yeah black kids yeah a real mix yeah not so many Asians I might add not so many Asians 
but definitely yeah. in that area where I grew up, lots of Jamaican yeah. kids, lots of Irish kids. I, yeah. and I always say that. You know? We had the Irish and white kids. Um, we had black kids, you know, um, but not, I think the mixed race children were more of a minority back then. I mean, that was the beginning of the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, 71. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were in a minority. In fact, you know, I've got some stories about my mixed race kid, uh, mates, some of the stuff that they that they had to deal with because they were, the, the shame that their mothers felt, you know, hiding them and yeah. calling them different names or, or didn't call them names that were too black, if you like, you know. Yeah. It's kind of a bit, yeah. bit of a shame attached to it there, you know. Yeah. I just want to take you back. Caroline, just just a little bit. Just I just wanted mm. to. You mentioned yesterday. I just wanted to take you back to the journey of looking for your biological father. That what mm. you did. What did you do to to find him? What, what, how did you? Make um, well, it was really. Um, it was really as a result of the girls, my daughters, um, as they were growing up, and they would say, "Where does our dark skin come from?" Right. You know, where is our um, mater- uh, paternal grandfather from and I said you know I don't know I've never tried to find out and um, I then did a couple of things so I uh, contacted the local authority for my adoption file that took a good couple of years for them to hunt that down and when I got it it was very you know a couple of sheets of A4 paper in it that did give me his name Um, so I then went online and um, I put his name and asked if anybody on the World Wide Web knew of this man. And a couple of years went by and out of the blue, I got an email from a young woman that was sort of nearly half my age saying, I think I know who you're looking for. He's my father. So it was sort of put me in a spot because I didn't expect that to happen. I suppose I was a bit naive. Um, and then I made contact with this um, woman and her mother and they told me their story and they asked a, photo- a photograph of me and I sent it to them and they was convinced that he was my father because they said that I looked like him. And then they told me their story and basically he'd fathered this um, 20-year-old and they said he'd also had a child with a woman in England. They didn't know about me, um, but they said he was now back in the Caribbean and the last they'd heard of him that he'd had, uh, he'd got uh, prostate cancer. So I'm assuming that was many years ago, so I'm assuming now he's probably not around, but I'm not 100% sure that was him, and I probably will never know. Um, is, so, is, is, uh, how, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you, or out of 100, how close do you think he were, that, he, that, that was him? I think out of 100, I think, I reckon it was about an 80% chance right. it was him. Right. And funnily enough, his his son I found out the name of his son that he fathered in the UK and I I found a Facebook um, page with this a guy with the name 
And he looked very much like me <laughs> in the mixed <laughs> race. Yeah, yeah. And I would have loved to have contacted him, but obviously, you know, you just can't go and step in. All these programs on television where they show these long-lost families, yeah. it doesn't actually always work out. So I didn't want to jump into somebody's life and possibly ruin it for them. Hey, but it I'm was your just sister. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You you know, it's it's yeah. not it's not it's not really appropriate, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's interesting you say that, Caroline, because in a future episode, um, we're going to do one on we're going to do one on DNA results. Oh, right. And, uh, and what it's revealed for for us, both. Uh, what right. from, Andrew's going to do his. I've done mine. Yeah. And we're going to do an episode yeah. worth on, okay. on the results, and it sounds kind of very similar to what you're, you're yeah. saying. You know? yeah. I just want, I mean, given that, that let's, just, let's, just, let's just assume that it was him. You say 80% chance. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about your ethnic background, knowing knowing that dad could have come from, or your father, sorry, could have come yeah. from the Caribbean? How do you feel, feel um, about that? I sort of think at the time, because it was my two daughters wanted to know more, I wish I could have found out more than I did. I did my best. Um, and um, once I told them that this is where I think he was from and they were old enough to understand, they were teenagers, so they understood. And they seemed quite happy with that amount of information. They didn't say, well, we want you to delve more no. and we want this and we want to go to those places and try and seek him out. So I didn't. Um, I left it at that. And they seemed, especially my youngest daughter, seemed really um, happy, so much so that when I said about coming on here, I messaged her and I said, oh, Liv, where was my biological father from? Because I remembered one half of him because he was uh, Guadeloupe one half and Grenada the other, but I couldn't remember the Grenada bit. And she straight away came back with the answer. So... Mm. It had obviously sort of sunk in of course. with her, yeah. you know, and it, it's given, presumably given them that understanding that they're possibly from half, partly from the Caribbean. They, they probably don't want you to delve any deeper because they themselves, I mean, they don't want you to get upset. They're comfortable with mum and dad, you and Gary as you are. Yeah. You're, you're, you're yeah. good parents, you had a good home for them. Yeah, and you know, why should anything upset their their apple cart, your yeah. apple cart? You know, it's, yeah. as long as you're all right, they're all right. You know, yeah, yeah. And they can see that, can't they? And they yeah, obviously have see. great care and love for you, and they don't want you to see you upset. Yeah. And yeah. again, we'll expand on what we would expand on this in a later episode about DNA results and what it does, mm. or what it could mean to other members of the family, and mm. uh, can of worms and that sort of thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah. You know. Sure. So you feel okay about your ethnic background uh, you, yeah very you, you, much so if you if, if you if you it seems we were talking about this earlier as well i do jump in andrew yeah yeah that's all right i've got i do have another question but go on uh, no, i was just going to say that um when we've spoken to members of our family and amongst ourselves our race dilemma is i don't think it was so much of we knew where we came from but the race dilemma for us really was where we fitted in, how we fitted into, do we, will we ever fit in? Is there a place for us? To, do we feel comfortable? It's that sort of thing along those lines. I don't yeah. think, and listening to you, um, your story centres mostly on, of course it would, um, the, fact that, the fact that you were adopted and you had this paternal 
father and maternal mother over there somewhere, but your mum and dad were the, were the family that looked after you and cared for you yeah. and loved you. Yeah. And so you don't have yeah. that kind of dilemma as such because you, no. know, you, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, which is good. Yeah. And, it's, and yeah. whatever mum and dad did for you has left you quite secure, I think, if I'm reading you right. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, as much as I think even if I'd have been brought up by my biological parents, I don't think I would have been a hugely different person. I'd have had different experiences and I'd probably have had a, a wider uh, sort of family unit uh, because my parents are both dead now and I was the only child, so I haven't got any siblings. Um, not any that I'm 100% <laughs> sure of anyway. Um but, yeah, but, you know, I feel sort of comfortable in my own That's skin. Yeah. Um, racism, in my opinion, is still rife. Um, and um, I have debates with people about that. Um, I've got mixed-race friends whose uh, father's white and her mother's from Jamaica, and we talk together and we have very similar, um, very similar sort of stories about Mm. How we're treated um, by people in the big wide world. Mm. I remember a story you were telling me about, um, telling us about, um, to do with why you didn't get a particular job. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I was very young, um, probably about 19, and I, I saw a job advertised um, uh, for a, working for a black adoption agency. Um, so I thought, oh, well, you know, I've got the skills for the job and I'm adopted and I'm black. And um, I went for the job and I was grilled for at least two hours, wow. but not not about my um, ability for the job. But it was the bottom line was that they felt that um, a mixed race or black child couldn't be adopted by white people and come out the other end as a sort of normal in inverted commas person and I said well I can't say I'm normal but I think I'm as normal as the next person <laughs> um and I and I, I didn't get the job which was really a shame because I think you know they'd made this assumption that you know I think you could have brought a lot to their table I think, I think yeah so. and it, I think it was probably a bit short-sighted and whether that would happen in, in the 21st century, I don't know. Um, if you were grilled was, for two hours, it, so, it sounds to me that they were trying to find chinks in your armour. They were trying to find... Well, it was like a psychological of a, a, a psychological assessment and sort of I can imagine they probably did that with their um, clients that wanted to adopt children. So they had the skills to be able to do that. But, yeah, they could have been trying to find a chink in my armour, but... Um, I didn't get the job, so that was the thing that was upsetting. But, well, it was their loss, yeah, their yeah. <laughs> but yeah, very strange, and it still sticks with me because it's many, many years ago. But I'll never forget that. You've probably got lots of stories, Caroline. There's probably lots you could con- you could contribute lots to. Lots of yeah, stories. I'm, yeah. I'm getting that sense from you. I'm yes. getting that sense that oh. you've experienced quite a lot. Your friends have experienced a lot. Yeah. Um, you've grew up in South London like a lot we did. Yeah. And yeah. there has to be stories there. There has to be experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wish we had another hour or 40 minutes to do that. <laughs> but maybe we can do a part two, you know. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Caroline, where do you think, if at all, you fit in 
to any particular racial group. I was going to ask you how you see yourself, where you think you fit. Yeah, I mean, I see myself as a black woman. Um, I don't think certain black groups would consider me so because now, just recently, there's now this sort of white, brown and black, you know, so some people will see me as brown. But I've, I've always, I've not felt comfortable with that term for me. Um, because I think we spent so many years growing, you know, when I was growing up to, to not say that I was brown. That was a sort of not a positive. The positive was to say I was black. Um, <coughs> so, and I think you can't just switch from one thing to another depending on the, the, what's the situation of, right yeah, at yeah. the time, yeah. you know. So, yeah, yeah. And if I had, if I had a pound for everybody, <laughs> Gary actually reminded me of this. So if I go to work or I meet new people that are white, they'll say to me often, um, after getting to know me, I don't think of you, I don't oh, think of you as oh, black. God, here it comes. <laughs> you know, and I think, and, I, and, and you've heard it a lot. Yeah. And then sometimes, if I, depending on my mood, I might say, yeah, and well, I don't think of you as fat. Or, you know, and it's <laughs> oh, just, yeah. you know, because I just think, well, you know, that's just such a derogatory thing to say to yeah. some yeah. and disrespectful yeah. to yeah. somebody. I think less so now, but, you know, it's less now. But Yeah, it's it, kind of it dismissing be... that, that part of you, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what's don't... wrong with me? Yeah, so what? You know. And, <laughs> I am. Well, I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've had some awful, I've, yeah, I've had quite a, you know, I've been mistaken as a cleaner in my own house by people and been asked if I was a drug dealer. I mean, honestly, you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a part two coming up. Yeah, it yeah. Sounds, definitely. So, sounds so, like many, a part two. so many shocking things. No, we want to. No, we, I just. We, no, we want to. We want to thank you for sharing this stuff with us. Your story with us. Stuff yeah. is your story, and yeah, we appreciate yeah. it. And okay. just to ask you as well, Caroline, how have you felt talking to us this evening about this stuff? Great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it sort of. Yeah. I mean, I feel fine because I don't. I don't feel emotional about these things anymore. It's all in the past and, you know, but it's sort of when you, you're talking, you know, when I was talking to Gary about it and he'd come up with something that I'd forgotten about. Oh, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And there's there's so many stories. For sure, that, we got them. We got them know, as well. We got them as well. Yeah. You know, and you sort of start remembering things that you didn't. Yeah didn't remember you yeah, know it all exactly. comes to the front every time we have a conversation about it we we, we come up with something there's always something there yeah. you know so um so caroline thank you for joining us on the race dilemma podcast thanks guys and thank you for having me more than welcome see you soon thanks for joining us on today's episode if you've liked what you've heard please subscribe on your favorite directory and if you've liked it even more then please rate us and leave a review on apple podcasts Again, if you would like to be featured on the Race Dilemma podcast, please reach out to us on the Race Dilemma podcast at gmail.com. That's it from us, and we'll see you on the next episode.